But if you if you acquire enough experiences here, it will change you sufficiently to produce a sense of long-lasting satisfaction and happiness. Then that's how you'll probably go. Your mind will go down that road. Yeah. But all this condition, all the happiness and, and uh, satisfaction will be conditional. It'll be based on circumstances and situations. Yeah. So that's more of a mental state. A mental state is difficult to keep in place. You have to have the right situation, right circumstances, and it almost begs for control, you know, to play God, because you want to keep everything the way it's going to keep this sort of quote-unquote unagitated mental state. But all mental states are agitated in a way. What we're talking about is a sense of being, yeah? What's, let's say, an innate quality that you uh, inherently are that isn't based on experiences or states. It doesn't come or go. Yeah, It will influence states, which is what you call traveling light here. But it's not a state, a mental state. It's not based on that you did something, and therefore it's going to leave if you don't do that something. It's an availability. Yeah, It's like an inherent condition that's available <coughs> to you, which causes your incredible importance in doing having to become somewhat irrelevant, which is really the beautiful uh, message because it's like in a lot of uh, spiritual statements that say by St. Francis and other people, they say it's in self-forgetting that you're reborn. Yeah? So it's in forgetting oneself. That's when you're reborn in that, into that sense of that quote-unquote spiritual state, yeah, that spiritual awakening. Yeah, but so the thing is, if I let's say if I go to a class and study about, uh, let's say how to get out of self-obsession, that could be construed as self-obsession. Yes, so self can't get out of self. So self isn't going to get into a spiritual state as a self. They're two different states. Yeah, one's a mental state. And another is, let's say, we'll use the word spiritual just because we don't have any other. But another aspect is a spiritual state. The mental state can't go into the spiritual state except to have an experience because the predominant condition is the mental state, which is selfing. That's what you're in in alcoholism. Alcoholism is a disease of mind, yeah? So your mental realm becomes amplified and your interest and attention gets caught into that mental realm. And so maybe after you've tried everything else, you're going to try a spiritual solution. But you're attempting to sort of bring back the spiritual solution to the mental state so that you'll feel better. Yeah, The, the spiritual solution is that you're not the mental state. That's the solution. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it's when the mental state diminishes what is inherently, let's say, there, let's say, we'll use the term spirit, is becomes obvious. Yeah? But as soon as the obviousness of the spirit is claimed by you, hey, I really got it, now what becomes more amplified is the mental state. Yeah? So the spiritual state always gets eclipsed by the mental state. As soon as selfing appears, as soon as there's a you that's having a spiritual experience, the mental state is the dominant state. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of things that are worth their salt, they're always talking about self-forgetting, or, yes, like in the, in the big book it says, after you sincerely take this position, yeah, of relying on something greater than self, 
Yeah. So in other words, what we're attempting to rely on, let's say, isn't a mental state. Yeah. In the mental state, the ego or the self seems to be the king or the queen. So we're going to find a power greater than that. We're not going to work in the mental state, yeah, because the mental state is run and dominated by by an aspect of mind playing God. Yeah, we want to get to another state or another realm or another possibility. Let that come in and influence us to get relief from the mental state, not to bring relief for a mental state, yeah, but from it. That works, at least in my life, that's what's worked. Yeah? And the whole root, the whole linchpin, is the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a sense of self, you, a historical action figure who does things, who chooses to do things, who doesn't choose to do other things, who has will, and basically an independent, separate entity that may be open to the influence of what you call God, but maybe not, because it's the biggest God. Yeah. So when God is known, it's known by you. Yeah. You have to sort of acquiesce to know God in a way. So you're in a way in that in in that relationship, you're the bigger God because you can say no to knowing God. <laughs> when the mental states diminish, there's no saying no to that power. It becomes obviously always available at all times. Yeah. Its predominance becomes obvious. And so your reaction becomes appropriate where you get humility. You become right-sized. You get to see who's the big choreographer. It ain't you. <laughs> so a mental condition called self-centeredness infected with alcoholism becomes an extreme mental condition called self-centeredness. And it has certain qualities that everyone who's suffering from it demonstrate. Yeah? Because obviously it's not you, 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 you. When I go to a meeting, I don't identify with who you are. I identify with what's taking you over. Yeah? If you have alcoholism, then you may be able to, you may follow my jokes and I'll be able to follow what you say because we identify with each other. I don't believe we identify with each other. We identify with the thing that's taken both of us over. Yeah? I've had alcoholism sitting on this, running my show for quite a while, and so have you. And when we share, it seems that we are very, very familiar that we almost have the same feelings, the same thoughts, and the same reactions to life. And you can go all around the world, and if you go to a few meetings a month or so, you'll have to come to the conclusion, because most of us, when you come in here, you're eternally unique. You believe that no one understands you, no one thinks like you do, no one feels like you do, no one's done the heinous things that you have done, and that's blown out of the water after a few weeks of meetings, because a lot of people share what at a meeting? They share their thoughts, their feelings, and their reactions to life. That's the basis of a share, isn't it? They're sharing how they think about something, their experience with it, their this and that. And when you listen to them, you go, wow, I think the same way. Or I felt that, I reacted to that. It has to become clear sooner or later, how could they be my thoughts if you have them? How could they be my particular feelings if you have the same feelings? And, and then the biggest nugget of, of my little fable was my actions. You know, I didn't think anyone did certain things in this life. And when I shared them on, in the fifth step with my sponsor, he was very clear to point out that he'd done the same thing. 
Yeah? That little nugget of, of terminal uniqueness that I had hidden up there, that I wasn't going to share with anybody, was he just yawned right through it. Yeah? It was incredibly important to me. Yeah? Because nothing is unique under the sun. You and I have been taken over by a mental condition called alcoholism. And when it has an opportunity to express what it likes to do, which is to express, through us, it's going to express in very similar ways because it's one parasite living off of millions of people. Yeah? Not a parasite you can see by taking a, like an x-ray, but a mental parasite, a movement of mind called alcoholism. Yeah? So that's why you read the book, it was just written in 1939, and it's very familiar to you in 2012, because it's describing exactly the way you think in 2012, because it wasn't a product of thinking in 1939. It was an alcoholic thinking system. And it's the same as it's always been. <laughs> It'll be the same in 2080. Yeah? <laughs> It'll be the root, the whole root of it will be the exact same, identification as a self. It's... it's Apparent uh, reluctance to get any kind of relief, true relief, will probably be the same. People will nonchalantly take this serious death-provoking death, uh, disease. They'll take it nonchalantly, like, oh, I don't like those meetings, you know. I think I'll just stay home and think about things, <laughs> which is the problem, yeah? All of that's going to be the, basically the same, because the parasite hasn't changed, yeah? It has a certain set of characteristics. They've been identified. And it has, it, once you're identified with it, it has carte blanche to express through you. And every time it expresses through you, your little narrator claims to be the one who did what it did, the one who thought what it thought, the one who felt what it felt. Yeah? So the parasite has a perfect home in you because the host doesn't even know he's been affected by a parasite. The host is claiming to be the one who's the alcoholic. Yeah? I'm the one who did it. I'm the one who's thinking these things. I'm feeling these things. This is the bondage of self. What else could it be? What else could it be if a system of thought and interpretation called self-centeredness with alcoholism was expressing through a host and the host claimed every one of the expressions of this foreign installment, you could not call it anything other than bondage of self. Yeah? If a system, a parasitical system, took over this system, yeah, like when you were a kid, you weren't like when you were out there running around like crazy. It was almost like you were possessed, wasn't it? Something took over. Something took over. Yeah? That parasitical thought system, when it, it, it gains entrance because we take it to be us, yeah, it now uses the opportunity because everything it goes into, every topic of your life, when it when it comes to the door and it knocks and you open the door, you let it right in because you call it me. You never investigate it. You in, you investigate its crumbs and its trails, but you never look at who am I? What is that that I'm taking myself to be? Have I been that since the day I was born? Yeah. Or no, maybe I was something totally different and I grew into this. If I grew into it, I can grow out of it. There's a possibility, yeah? But let's say if you're bonded to self and you don't take, you believe you're that, what's the best thing you can do? You can't, it's like if a bug came in this room, a big bug, and landed on your arm, your natural reaction would be to knock it off, yeah? Like that. 
And if it stung you, you'd probably kill it. You know? A mosquito, whack! You don't even knock it off, you whack it, right? You want to, it's retribution time. It's harmed you. Yeah? What about alcoholism? What about that parasite? You have to admit, when he takes one of us over, it's a hostile takeover. It isn't that pleasant, is it? It may be in the beginning, but for a long, long period thereafter, it isn't. It progressively, progressively gets worse. And yet, we try to understand it, therapize it, civilize it. Our, our dreams become meager hopes that maybe I won't be arrested this week. That becomes the big dream of my life. Everything gets downsized to what? To put up with that fucking occupation. Why? Because you can't entertain being free of it if you take yourself to be it. You can't. Your mind doesn't work that way. The logic of mind will never come to the possibility, hey, I can be free from this if you're identified as it. It can't go there. It's a fail-safe mechanism in self-centeredness. It cannot entertain being free from what it takes itself to be. It can't do it. It can entertain being free as it, yeah? But when it tries to become free as it, it's like self trying to get out of self. It doesn't work, yes? So, it has to fundamentally collapse for many people, which is a bottom, you know? It doesn't have to be a, like a drastic, you know, the police are outside and you're bleeding, you know, you're on like that. It can be just, you may drop a bottle in your house and it will snap your mind. But there's a point if there's grace involved, that a bottom will happen and the system will collapse for a minute or two. And then some, a portal may open up and some new information may download and you may find yourself at a meeting the next day. Yeah? When you weren't thinking about going to anything like that. But suddenly, you're at a meeting because now what wasn't ava available has now become available. Grace has appeared. Just like before 1935, there was really no cure or relief from alcoholism. People were either put in the attic, that's Uncle Mike, he's up there, don't bother him, don't go near him, you know. What's that sound up there? It's just Uncle Mike, you know, getting lobotomized or going into fucking insane asylums. We read in the Bible out here, Psalms, they were talking about winos there in the Old Testament. Fucking how can we handle these people? It's impossible. So 1935, a solution came in to this place, yes? 1939, they wrote a book about it so that people could identify with the takeover that's happened to them, yeah? And therefore, a solution appeared. Not for the disease, but from the disease. From it. From it. And if you can see that you're not that, that you are not the thinker of the thoughts, you are not the feeler of the feelings, you are not the haver of the opinions. These are all happening in mental states. Yeah, You are something prior to a mental state. You are the awareness of whatever little bit you're aware of, that awareness, the quantity of the awareness in your life doesn't signify the quantity of the awareness. Yeah, You may not be aware of much, but whatever you're aware of, it's awareness that's bringing it about. Yeah, So that awareness, I would say, is what I am. Something you can't put a finger on, it's of not it's not of a thing, like Jesus says, you're in this world, but you're not of it. It's not of a thing. It's not of a quantity, it's not of a size, it's not of a destination or a location. It's there. Reason why you know you're in hell is awareness, really. If you're in hell, that's the reason why you know it. It's not a mental state. 
the mental state produces the sense of hell, or what makes it become aware is awareness, yeah? So, once the mind maybe just possibly entertains the possibility, hey, I'm not that, what does it, can, what can it do next? Which was something it couldn't do all those years it was identified as it. Hey, I can be free of it. If it's not me, I can outgrow it, just like I seem to grow into it. Yeah? That is a fucking incredible possibility to entertain. It gives wings to you, in a sense. Instead of falling and thinking you have to grab onto something, some idea, some trick, some therapy, this and that, you realize when you stop trying to grab on, these things are wings. Yeah? You let go and a power greater than you places you in a position of neutrality with no thought or effort on your part. Yeah? You actually see deeply how humble it is because you really don't have anything to do about this place in a way. Yeah? Surrender is about the most you can do. When you realize what you're identified with is the problem, it's not like you have a problem, but you are the problem. Once you realize that you are the problem, and really look at the idea of what that self implies, like this master we were reading the other day, it says, to study the self, to study the self is to forget the self. That's exactly the whole point of it, yeah? So when you learn about the self, if you still keep the identification, or if the identification keeps in place, all knowledge will become self-knowledge, which won't avail you anything. But if you really learn about the self, which means you're, you may not be that, that's when you start forgetting it. Yeah? Because if it isn't about you, you're going to forget it. It's inevitable. If something isn't about you, how long does it capture your attention? Not long, usually. If you went into a movie theater, like we said last week, and there's 30 people, there's a, on the marquee it says, uh, Life of Paul, yeah? So obvious, who, who's going to come? 30 Pauls, you know, with the hopes that it's about their life. And maybe a couple girlfriends who went out with Pauls, you know, to be right about Paul. <laughs> I see in the movie. So there you are, everyone's excited. The movie, before it breaks, you know, before it starts. And then suddenly it starts, and maybe the, the one person realizes it's not about them in about the 30 seconds, maybe someone in the next three minutes. But I'll tell you, as soon as they realize it's not about them, they lose interest in that movie. Yes? Immediately. That's exactly what it's like. That's exactly what happens. If you're not, if all of these thoughts aren't about you, you'll lose interest in the thought system. If all of these thoughts are, haven't been thought up by you, they're just like popcorn in a popcorn maker. The right circumstances and conditions cook them up, and then they pop. And when they pop, you, your attention gets glued to them because it's about you or you're the thinker of them. Yeah. When, when, when the idea is not you, when the feeling isn't your feeling, it has a tendency to come and go. Yes. Thoughts, instead of going, oh, this is my thought, and then producing an orbit around your pseudo-planet called Paul, and all your concerns and worries, and all time, past and future, and there's all the thoughts go around this thing, with you as the sun. Now, hey, these thoughts aren't, they may not even be mine. The thought comes, triggers a little, whoop, and then they go. Yeah. 
And instead of being so concerned about the thought, you start getting interested in the energy or the awareness that's bringing about seeing the thought. And now you're starting to entertain another possibility. When I'm saying I'm not that, every time I'm saying I'm not all these arthritic pointers like I'm the thinker, I'm the feeler, I'm this, you know, just like that simple example. Here's a bottle. Yes, you see the bottle. Now what happens if I put one word in front of it? My bottle. What, is it, what does the bottle infer now? There's a someone who has the bottle, yes? Problem. My problem. Thoughts. My thoughts. Feelings. My feelings. Problems. My problems. Girlfriend. My girlfriend. Money. My money. Everything changes with my. Yeah? As soon as my is introduced, heaviness starts ascending or descending. Yeah? Simple. Look at it. Three simple words. Money. Health. Relationships. They all mean something, yeah? By basically where you're looking, where you think you're looking at from, yeah? Now add the word my money, my health, my relationships, lifelong stories get written, yeah? As soon as the my comes up about money, what happens? Thousands of ideas about money that you don't even know were available up there start becoming obvious. They start injecting themselves into money, yeah? So let's say you have a belief that you're never going to have enough money. So when you have a million dollars, it's not producing what you thought it would produce. You're not having an ease and comfort because when it's held as your money, the your represents an idea that you're never going to have enough, yeah? How do you think the conditionality of your mind gets to be engaged in your life? It has to come over to a, a, over a bridge to infect whatever it is that's happening. Yeah? So a relationship, when it becomes my relationship, you're now struggling with thousands of ghosts about women and relationships. Yeah? They, all come, they all sort of descend on the situation because they come over it from wherever it is, conditional mind, just a mental fucking labyrinth with tons of ideas and beliefs and shit, all just, all just lingering there, all just waiting for something to occur. When something goes by, that's seen by awareness, let's say a, a problem, let's say call it that, a situation, then the mind constructs a bridge and now all these ideas get downloaded. You know what that situation means? It means this has always happened to me. It's never going to be better. Why does this happen to me and nobody else? All of this comes from the bridge, yeah? If it was just a fucking problem instead of yours, you'd be able to deal with it a lot better. <laughs> you know, not really, you know, I don't want you to take my word for it, but I've seen it, you know, you know to a certain level. And I've seen, I remember the first time I got engaged with spirituality in my life, I was brought up a Catholic, and I got involved with a spiritual guru from India. Yeah? Well, I was 18. Now, I met, this was my first situation, spiritual situation in this life. Never had one before. Meet this, meet this group, and they teach me a form of meditation. Now, as soon as I'm engaged with this, and now it's all about me, millions of ideas came out 
and started gluing themselves and pasting themselves on everything about me, the other practitioners, the guru, the mahatmas, everything like that. I had so many ideas and concepts and opinions of how someone who's spiritual should be, I couldn't believe it. Where did I acquire them in this life? Where? When I was playing Little League Baseball? When I was reading, you know, Jules Verne? I wasn't reading, like, you know autobiography of a yogi or none of that had happened yet. It all came flooding in. Why? Because it was, I was in this, well, the system of self-centeredness was in place. Every, it was all about me and that me represents tons of old ideas. You're like a portal for a lot of mental minutiae to download. A lot of emotional Contraction to download, yeah? It has to, it's just waiting, it's just imminent, it's just a potential. But as soon as it has you to move through, and with the word my, it infects everything that comes in contact with you, or that you come in contact with, yeah? Your mind gives it meaning, everything. And you have no idea about most of those meanings. You're at the end of the, you're at the wrong end of the stick. When they download, all you can do is react. Yeah? There's no response available. You're a conditional apparatus just reacting to mental stimuli. And where is there going to be a solution when self can't get out of self, where it says in the big book that there is no mental defense against the first drink? It doesn't say there's no defense against the first drink. It says there's no mental defense against the first drink. This is a mental disease. You cannot fight it with mind, conditional mind. You need to seek a power greater than that mental realm. If you want to give it the name spiritual realm, well, let's go with that. Yeah? When you start accessing that, by what? By taking actions that cause you to forget the self. Yeah? Service, commitments, doing all that stuff. You do things that are altruistic. You get out of yourself. Yeah? You take an inventory. When you used to think, oh, I'm going to surrender to God, did you ever think it was going to entail going home and writing about your life in a four-column way? Obviously not. You thought it was going to be like a big bright light was going to come down, your hair would be blowing, and there would be a lot of people noticing, and you would be, ah, I'm radically free now. No, I didn't like the idea. Go home and write about what you used to do, Paul. Your resentments, your fears, and how you harm people in pursuit of sex. That didn't sound like my idea of surrender to the higher power. (laughs) But these steps, what do they do? They diminish the mental state, don't they? They diminish the mental state. There's nothing like a ninth step, man. You can talk a big story, but the ninth step does a huge amount of good. If you're totally hooked on the past, and you've been avoiding it, denying it, rationalizing it, doing whatever, and you're thinking you're successful, and then someone says, you need to make your amends to these people that you've been successfully avoiding for 12 years. (laughs) And when you do, what incredible relief, because now you have moved from a failed system of thought and interpretation to a system that actually works. But it's not a mental condition. We're looking for another condition. Every mental condition will be dominated by the 
the supreme mental condition, which is identified as a self. Yeah, the self will play God. It will make up gods in its realm. Yeah, it will do whatever it will do. It will even fight itself. It will even kill some aspects, what it thinks of some aspects of itself. But it's just like an, a bug when you, or an insect when you, or, or like lizard, you cut off their tail and it just grows another tail. You know, doesn't it? You get rid of one big, let's say, resentment or character defect. Five out, five others spawn out. You know, some people stop doing drugs and drinking, then they're into porno or sex or shopping or this and this. The mental condition is just revving. <laughs> <laughs> so if you try to forget the self, that's remembering the self. You know? <laughs> so that's the whole point. Why your? If I had a someone said, Paul, make up a plan how to forget the self. I'll tell you, it wouldn't be anywhere near the twelve steps of AA. <laughs> I wouldn't have come up with that whatsoever. See, that's too much work for me. Yeah. But if you do, if you just put your alcoholism or your mental state into the program, it will diminish the mental state. And you'll have relief from the mental state because you'll have an obvious influence by, quote-unquote, the spiritual state, which is, a, let's say, a, more, a power or a state greater than the state of self. That's the only way it works, yeah? So if you learn about the self, you can forget the self. So if you learn about the self, that the self's movement, its first movement, selfing, is the claim. That's what it does. So, the body is seen as your body. Yeah? You don't really believe you're identified as a body, but you think you have one. Yeah? There's, a, some, there's some, some vague phantom in there that has the body. That's the doer. That's the chooser. That's not really of this place. Yeah? It's more like a mental apparition. Yeah? It tries to take on the qualities of a spiritual apparition, but doesn't have that ability. It's not aware. It's not conscious. It's a mental process. So that mental process, its first movement, because it doesn't have a life, is the claimant. So when there's the seeing of thought, it goes, rises up and says, I'm the thinker. When there's a feeling happens, and its consciousness brings about the awareness of the feeling, then what it says is, I felt that. I felt it, yeah? And that I, that me, that it's inferring is a mental apparition. It's an idea you have of yourself. That's what's driving you crazy. And how can you know when the craziness stops? Then you know by the you know the solution by the relief, yeah? When your relief stabilizes and you're you're in a new day, and that day is always new, then you've been on to something. So you know the problem from the solution. You don't know the problem from the problem. You know the problem from the solution. Yeah. And the solution is there is no problem, really. <laughs> That's the solution. Simple as that. <laughs> now, it doesn't mean there won't seem to be a problem, which really is what, again, points out the situation. You know, the word seemingly, like in the foreword of the book, it says, we are a hundred men and women who have seemingly recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body. Yeah. 
No, we have we have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Some of us have seemingly recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body. <laughs> but no, we we are hundred men and women who have recovered from a from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. If it was a hopeless state of mind and body, there would be no recovery, right? If it was hopeless, there would be no recovery. Then we should just go out and get loaded, you know, and hope that we don't get arrested tonight. And just keep on getting loaded until we got arrested or institutionalized or died. Because this is a hopeless state. But no, it's seemingly hopeless, which is such a beautiful word because it says it appears to be true or false to you. So you are the biggest meaning giver to the state of mind and body you're in. You're the one that gives it the meaning that makes it seem like it's hopeless. Yeah? Seemingly, it appears to be true or false to you. So in a sense, everything here is seemingly. It appeared to be true that that was the worst thing that ever happened to me. Then I'm in recovery for two years, and I had to change my story. That it was that became the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah, what I thought was the worst thing that ever happened to me, getting arrested that night, that actually led me to becoming so getting sober. So it was the best thing that ever happened to me. You see, what is it? Was it the worst thing, or is it the best thing? It's neither, in a way. It's what meaning you give it. If you're in a good condition, something's not a problem today. If you're not feeling good, it's a problem the next day. If you're feeling good the next day after that, it's not a problem. What is it? Does it have a quality of being a problem? Or does it have, it appears to be what it is by you seeing it? If you're seeing it from self-centeredness, I bet you a lot of things are going to seem like problems. When you're seeing something from self-centeredness, the only way it can be looked at is how it pertains to you. Yeah? When you see something from self-centeredness, that's not seeing at all. It's a form of looking. It's blind. You're blind. You have no fucking idea. Most of us, did you know truly what was fucking you? You may have had a name for it, but I had no idea what was the real dilemma. I, I, I had a feeling it wasn't alcohol and drugs, but I had no idea of what was really the problem. Yeah? I was such on caught in the consequential level, I didn't even have a time to breathe. So much shit was coming down the tubes. Yeah? I was just basically an animal trying to survive by shooting drugs. I had lost all the other qualities I may have exhibited when I was a kid. They were gone a long time ago. I was like a rabbit, uh, like a rabid rat, you know, just trying to survive. It's like they have a picture in Tibetan Buddhism called Hungry Ghosts, where they have a they have a huge belly. They need so much, but they have a really small mouth. They can't get ever get enough, so they're constantly in angst, yeah, just because they can never get enough. That's what it was like. The empty exit, which is here, was pasted over by a mental ear. In my mind's eye, the here I was in was the last place I wanted to be. I would do anything, I would pay any consequence tomorrow not to feel uncomfortable now. And I was feeling uncomfortable now quite a lot. Yeah? So the here, which is right now, which is the solution to be obviously present now, 
was the last place I wanted to be in the mental state. I was trying to get out of here all day. So no matter how far I looked for a solution, it was right underneath my nose. I just had to stop and see. But I, didn't, I, I seemingly did not believe that to, to be possible. Yeah? I had too much guilt about what I'd done, too much shame. There was just no looking back. I just figured I might as well just wear the running shoes of drugs and alcohol and just keep running until it caught me. Yeah. I couldn't bear facing the moment, but that moment was a mental moment. The here, just being here now, is the solution. Yeah. When I'm aware of here, I have immunity to what's not happening, which is the mental realm. Yeah. What's causing someone to be uncomfortable now is because of there and then. There's nothing to cause uncomfortability in this room. It's not hot, it's not cold, you know? There is going to be a time limit to the talk. Everyone will be able to escape and do whatever they want to do. But usually when someone's in angst or anxious, is isn't because of now, it's about there and then. They're in the mental realm. Their attention is enslaved to the mental realm and they can't help but follow every thought about yesterday and tomorrow. There's no relief. Yeah. I was just reading this book, The Course, the other night, and it says the denial of this power is arrogance. Yeah? And it's only, and as soon as there's arrogance about God, Time starts occurring, and that's the only place there seems to be choices in time. But there's no choice in the eternal moment. Yeah? You are awareness, and it's available right now. You have no choice about that. Yeah? Only in time and in the mental state we can seemingly deny it and forget it. But it has no... It can only seemingly be so. It only appears to be so to us. It can never become so. The eternal moment will always override the mental state. Yeah? So in a sense, of concerning what you are, there is no choice. It's choiceless. You are that which is, yes? On this awareness, being, whatever you want to try to point with to it. But as soon as you deny that, and you take yourself to be a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, then time becomes dominant, and in time, you think you have choices. You think you should have done something differently than you did in the past, and you're going to do something differently tomorrow. Yeah. And on and on it goes. And with all the seeming choices, we start believing we have a choice to say no to that moment, that eternal moment, and say yes to past and future. Isn't that what the mental state does? If you look at the thought system, what does it value most? Does it value now or the past and the future? What are your thoughts mostly about? What are the thoughts mostly about that you see in your head? Are they about what's going to happen to you or to someone else or what you're going to do or what did happen, what, what's, what's going to be not done that can never be undone and this and that, yes? It's just constantly dwelling in what's not happening. Why is that our attention, even going down that path thousands of times and only feeling more anxious 
about an imaginary place, an imaginary time, it doesn't produce much good. Why is it that we can't say no to that? Why is it that we keep walking down that path as if we're in a form of slavery? Yeah? That we're truly bonded to this idea of being a self. I swear, man, in that mental year, I didn't give a shit if I died. And now I really like living. Incredibly different. Unbelievable, like night and day difference. I was waiting to get out every day. I could care less. I was doing huge shots of coke. I was hoping my friend would have to push it in and he, I was, and he'd always stop and halfway because he knew I'd die if I did. But I wanted him to keep pushing it, but I couldn't do it myself, you know. I was rushing from the other ones I had. And now, I really love this place in a way. I love this possibility. What happened? <laughs> I can actually be here now, where before I couldn't. After, since I was five years on, it lost. I lost that ability to be present in a way. It's not that I wasn't present. I, I, I grew into a mental ability to act as if I wasn't here. You know? Pictures of me and my family when I was a young kid. Uh, we looked like uh, looked like a little cherub, and everyone was loving. A couple years later, you'd see a picture of my family. It looked like I was pasted in, and I was looking at my mother suspiciously. You know what the fuck happened? I went up the ass of self, this mental idea, and I got contracted and isolated. And all I took was my own counsel, and just got tighter and tighter, tighter and tighter. Man, I needed a drink. Big time to get relief from that. Yeah. But I don't know, I, have my, I think it was my 10th year of sobriety I heard about this idea, this looking at it as a foreign installment, you know, or as a parasite. And when I did, all new information downloaded into my life. And the biggest one, they all distilled into one thing. Hey, I'm not that. I am not that phantom that all these things are inferring or, or assuming or implying. I'm not that. I have no idea what I am, but I definitely know what I'm not. Yeah? And then things started to get a lot different. And things, and then a sense of contentment stabilized. So the drive to seek and seek and seek and not be able to really enjoy what I found was dismissed. I didn't need to seek anymore. I already was that which I was looking for. Yeah. There's nothing like a day full of contentment without what you're doing. Today was like an example. The morning I surfed, then I got out and went to work and painting. And there was no, there was no, inter, there was no interruption it was just a contented state the whole way through. I mean, like the overriding state. Yeah? You would think it was really extremely different. Painting, I mean, surfing. I enjoy that a lot. Painting, you know, climbing up on ladders. But basically, there was an uninterrupted state, not a mental state. That's available. You want to call it a spiritual state? Let's call it that. But it's, a spiritual state is uninterrupted. Yeah? A spiritual experience is not a spiritual state. Spiritual experiences will, don't necessarily lead or imply a spiritual awakening. A spiritual awakening to me is just like a dog shit awareness. You're just conscious of being aware. 
all day. And so you're aware when you're painting, you're aware when you're surfing, you're aware when you're driving, you're aware when you're shitting, you're aware when you're going to go to sleep, you're aware when you're watching TV, you're aware, da, 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 and you're actually aware when you think you're not aware. You'd have to be aware to recognize that thought that says you're not aware. Yeah? So for you to get the, the hit that you're not aware, has to you, that implies you must be aware. <laughs> So you can't you can't escape it. Well, who would want to? <laughs> you can see mine too, not visually, physically, but you see it. <laughs> you see its movements. The mental state is like a cricket on a hot flame. <laughs> it's quite agitated. <laughs> it would die if it stopped. That's what it believes. But you would be reborn if it did. But if it believes, it will die if it stops. If it stops seeking, if it stops claiming, thinking, and feeling, and having, who, what am I? Absolutely nothing. Yeah? So, there is a solution. Why stop with just the satisfaction that you don't drink every day when you could open up to a whole new vista? Yeah? Where when people share, oh, I can't believe I can't drink anymore, this and that, it seems so absurd to you because why would you want to do that? It's such a ridiculous thing. Yeah? Literally. Oh yeah, I just like to set my arm on fire. <laughs> let's see how fast I can burn down my life. Oh yeah, let's check it out. I watch so many people do it. Yeah. It's just abstinence is such the key. I mean abstain from your head, abstain from that fucking narration up there, abstain from K Paul. Hear it, but don't listen to it. Once you listen to it, once it rationalizes one action, that it will lead you to, yeah? And as soon as it gets momentum, it can spin out of control. Like my friend, he goes out, and in a day, he's in so much unbelievable trouble. He was just having a nice day, and now he's in Richmond. My car's impounded, because he had it. He's arrested. And I don't get, I don't hear from him until three days later. <laughs> and he just, I saw him like an hour before. I seemed fine. <laughs> you know? This is called possession. It's not you. Yeah? There's just something open to that allows these things to come in and take you over. And I would say it's the mental state. When one depends on the mental state, you don't know how many guests are going to visit you. Guests in the form of obsessions and things like that. Yeah? Why wouldn't they land there? That's what they recognize. They see an opportunity in the mental state. If something is totally taken over by a mental state, that's like their landing pad. Yeah? Without a power greater than that, you're just going to be frequently taken over. 
Some are more extreme than others. Some are like the drip, drip, drip type of taking over. You feel a malaise or a dissatisfaction. Nothing seems to make you happy anymore. Then there's some extreme exhibitionists like alcoholism for some where it just goes fucking paints the town red. You know? Then you're in an orange jumpsuit quickly thereafter. You know, there's other things, but they will come and they will come. Yeah? Because the only thing, the only thing they respect is other power. So you need a power greater than self. You need a power greater than a mental state. Yeah? A mental understanding is going to withstand it. It's not. It's not going to hold water. It'll be nice if you're in, in, in like a antiseptic situation, but once you get out there. Now, if you if you entertain the possibility that you have already been taken over by a great, great, great power, that knowledge, that knowledge, that sense, that tactile sense of presence is the immunity of all the other takeovers. Yeah? They don't dare to come in. They don't dare to come in. Yeah. I mean, if you've had time and in recovery, the great joy is how so much stuff is absent out of your life. So much of that fucking bullshit is gone. I mean, I just have so much gratitude for the lack of drama in my life nowadays. Yeah? I've come to really enjoy it. There's nothing like an, an unagitated mind. It's really nice. So, yeah. I need that tonight, eh? Any questions? Yeah, you, know, you really discussed uh, how repetition is useful. You know, for me, you know, when I'm taken over by like a negative emotion or any sort of mental self selfing, you know, I try to put space around it by repeating, "I'm not that. It's not me." You know, nobody there. You know, it's just a, you know, you know, illusion sort of. I'm just trying to figure out how to, you know, broaden the awareness around this little, to encapsulate this that self, thought self a little bit. Better. Well, just trying to give up trying to figure it out. That will broaden the awareness. The awareness is relaxed. It's not under constraints. It can't be like directed. It's not like uh, you can build a canal system and then bring it in. It's re- it's relaxed awareness, yeah? Yeah. And usually when there's something, when there's a drive to have more or want to know something, it's not coming from quote-unquote that spiritual state. It's coming from the mental state, yeah? And the mental state is you're looking for an advantage. It's the, it's the disinterest in the mental state. Yeah. That's the movement. It's not getting interested in the spiritual state. It's getting disinterested in the mental state. When the mental state is disinterested in, you'll see that that was just a mental state. You are really that being, yeah? So you don't want to have to start trying to uh, formulate a a spiritual state because there already is one. (laughs) 
it's always available at all times. It's activated right now, you know. Yeah. So like that guy said, to study the self is to forget the self. When you forget the self, you'll, you'll realize that you're actualized by myriad things. Yeah? A lot of downloads will happen. And you'll see that you're not of this place in a way. That you are of nothingness in a way. Which has lots of qualities that can demonstrate. Yeah? So once you learn about the self, it leads to forgetting the self. And once the forgetting the self is dominant, then you are you're the actualization of myriad myriad things. Actually, to me, the actualization of myriad no things. Yeah. Yeah, I've tasted that. It's yeah. beautiful. But you know, I'm just trying to figure out. Well, I'm I'm trying to maybe this is no understanding how to uh, uh, forget. You know, I mean, how does one lose interest? You know. I mean, it's, it's not something you can do, you know. Um, exactly. Well, you can. You can do service, and that will probably produce a losing of interest in you. Yeah? But for me, I feel you lose interest when it's not about you. Yeah? So I don't try... I'm not looking at it to lose interest in it. I'm looking at it to see something. When I see it's not about me, I lose interest. Yeah? And what happens? In a way, for me, I gain interest in the scene. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm really curious of, of consciousness. I like to, you know, we assume so, uh, we take it so liberally, uh, lightly, that they're seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching here. <laughs> it's an amazing event, really. You know? <laughs> that I can be aware of this by touching it. I can be aware of it by seeing it. I can feel it. Yeah? I can smell it. Yeah. I can't hear it, but you could actually hear it. And I'm seeing it. Yeah? That's fucking amazing to me. What is that that facilitates that event? Is it me? Yeah. Is it me? Am I actually the doer of that? Can I actually do consciousness? Or is consciousness uh, not of that ball game, let's say? Consciousness is just conscious, and then here through these gates, it becomes conscious. It becomes conscious of things. Yeah, but it doesn't mean it's not something already. It's consciousness. Yeah, it's it. Be, it becomes activated by manifesting and seeing itself as other things. But it doesn't need activation to be. It already is. Yeah. I like to know, I like, I'm curious about that quality. You know, I'm actually really bored of the mental state, the self-centeredness, because I've been through every inch of it, and I followed every one of its formulas and its possibilities, and they failed terribly. Its possibility is not that I'm okay, that I will be okay. And it's always based on me or someone else doing something. Yeah? I'm sick of that. You know, I'm sick of that formula. I got so tired of it. It just changes names or things, but it's the same formula. Yeah? Like, I don't want to feel the way I'm feeling. Yeah. Alright, so this is what I do. I go home, eat Agnes, I watch a movie. What happens the next day? I don't want to feel the way I'm feeling. You know, maybe I change the formula, but it's the same formula. I don't want to feel, I don't want to, I don't want to accept the way it seems to be. Yeah? Something's wrong. 
And then it becomes the so point, it becomes inherent. I'm inherently wrong. So now it becomes like a shameful state. I'm inherently wrong, so I actually don't deserve to get relief, but I can't help to try to get it. You know? And so you get really convoluted in this disease and it starts eating its own tail. Yeah. I believe, like it says in recovery, trust something infinite rather than finite self. That why are you in so much fear right now? Why are you in so much anxiety today? And then you may have a big story about it. Bill W. says a very simple thing. It says, isn't it because self-reliance has failed you? That's what's provoking all these agitated mental states. We've been relying on a mental state to deliver the goods. It can't deliver the goods. So it's agitated, and it's rationalizing, excusing, blaming. It's trying to throw up tons of smoke screens so it doesn't face the fact that it's a failed system. Yeah? So it's not going to finally admit it. You've got to see. You've got to realize, hey, this is a failed system. Well, perhaps there's a better way. Let's trust something infinite rather than finite self. Okay? That's what we do. Well, how can I get out of self as self? I can't. All right, so I do the steps. They diminish the mental state, which is selfing. And therefore, something that was always available becomes obvious to me. Yeah? Now I'm in, now my life now I'm established in that and all these remarkable things happen. I feel a power flow in. I have I have I learn I can face life successfully. I can enjoy peace of mind. I feel this conscious presence. Yeah, I'm reborn. That's what it says. This is sort of what happens. Yeah. So the mental state gets diminished, and then something that was seemingly overlooked becomes obvious. It's such a beautiful solution because it was always there. <laughs> and it's always going to be there. It was never not there. That's a great solution. <laughs> what, it del- what the solution tells you about the problem is the problem is only seemingly so. It's all based on smoke and mirrors. This is real. This is appearance. You want to live in the world of appearance? You're up the ass of self. If you want to live in the world of real... The mental state will diminish. Simple as that. And you'll know it by its fruits. You'll know which what what's being relied on. If you're relying on a mental state, you'll have the fruits of anxiety. Time will be incredibly valued, valued and important. All your thought system is drenched in time. That's why you can't enjoy peace of mind. Because peace of mind is now, and if the thought system of selfing is in place, it goes, well, I probably won't be peaceful tomorrow. So how can it enjoy it? Because it has a tomorrow where it may not be able to enjoy it, or it had a past where it never enjoyed it. Yeah? In other words, the possibilities get claimed by prior possibilities that make the possibilities of enjoying peace of mind impossible for some. It makes the possibility that your love impossible for some. It makes the possibility that you're the source of your own contentment impossible to some. It's not that they're impossible. They're, they're made to seem impossible by the possibilities we're entertaining now. That I'm a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. That I'm the doer. I'm the chooser. There's time. These things are real. This place is solid. I was born. I'm going to die. Whoa, I need all this stuff, and I'm going to get it. And you know, if you get in my way, I'm going to run you over because I'm I'm ravenous. I'm like that hungry ghost. Oh, shit. 
It's like a lot of smoke and mirrors, but it's an appearance only. What's real is what's real, and the real will always outshine the unreal. The only light the unreal has is from the real. Yeah? And that's an absolute. It's not something, oh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I like to go and think about it like that. No, it's an absolute. It puts all end to debate and discussion. <laughs> it's, a, it's boom. It's like an unspoken yes of being convinced. You believe with certainty. It's to put the rest. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what can happen today. <laughs> stop it is you. That's the only fucking thing. The only requirement comes from our end, not from that end. <laughs> that end is always available at all times. Grace abounds. But when we put requirements on being the receiver of grace, then the grace becomes infrequent. Yes? You lose interest in self, you gain interest in others, you can start enjoying peace of mind, the problem won't exist for you anymore. You'll cease fighting everyone and anything. You'll be placed in a position of neutrality with no thought or effort on your part. You'll be reborn. This isn't about just not drinking. It's about reclaiming the heritage that's available to us. It's ours. It's throwing off the parasite. And then see what happens. Yeah. Sorry, but it's the one day at a time, sort of the sort of the focus is like you start getting caught up in three days from now, my drink, five days from now, instead of like, once well, I'm sober now, enjoy this moment now. Yeah. And then the next moment, enjoy this moment now. And as soon as you start thinking about, well, next week, well, that's the self getting back in there. Exactly. Like, the moment is now. You're sober now. Be there. Exactly. That's exactly it. This is more the spiritual state, if you want to call it that. That's what we use it. The spiritual state is very, very strong here. Yeah, this is this is where we access it. We don't access it in the past and the future. That's the mental realm. That's where the God of self abides. Yeah, so that's why it said a day at a time. It was trying to shrink the occupation of selfing to the point where, in this moment, the possibility of recognizing we're not enslaved is available. In time, every time you think about yourself in the past, it's a remembering of you. Every time there's thoughts about you and what's going to happen to you in the future, it's a remembering of you. As soon as you remember you here, you forget about what is. Yeah. This is all about that. All, this, all the thought system, is, with alcoholism especially, is about a remembrance of you. Every time there's thoughts about in the future, who's being pictured there? You. As a body, when you re, when you go over what happened five years ago, you are seen as a, a body again with the same qualities, being the doer, time, the place, the reality. Yeah, we're remembering the appearance and we're conjuring it up to make it seemingly so. The mind is remembering it. It's a yeoman's job. Yeah, it has to so it has to do so much just to cause you to deny or be distracted to what is. Because what is, one little sense of what is, wipes out millions of bullshit. Millions of, of, 
appearances upon appearances upon eons and eons of appearances is wiped out in one second of hereness, you know? <laughs> so the last thing the mental realm wants to do is acknowledge here. The last thing it wants to do. Even when it's telling you, I really want to be in the moment, what it's really telling you is you have the possibility to be out of the moment. That's what it's really telling you. It tells you, it gives you hope for a better a future, but it solidifies the past. It solidifies the reality of the appearance by you hoping to get relief from it. That's all it's doing. You see it. It's like a, it's like a system gone wild. Yeah, We've got this crazy little idea up its ass, and it's just been going over and over and over. It. I me my, I me my, I me my. Look at what I've done. All the guilt and shame rests on the idea of being the doer. Yeah? If you weren't the doer of your life, you'd be so fucking free. <laughs> you really would. You'd be available for this moment because there would be no history. Your whole life is based on you being the doer, being the chooser. If you weren't that, whose life would it be anyway? Yeah. It's to be like it and repeat it. It's a good message. It works on this. It works on the dilemma. It gets in there, you know? It's a good message. It works on this. It works on the dilemma.